0: Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, the host. You're listening to episode 152. We're cranking them out. They're coming one after another, fast and furious. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the show. The doom that came to Atlantic City. I know you've heard of it. And if you haven't, you need to go look it up. It has been the talk of the Kickstarter community. Crowdfunding community as well. What happens when somebody raises 120? million? $2,000 $2,000 thereabouts takes a year to work on their project and then promptly sends a message to all the backers that basically says, oops, sorry. I spent the money. Uh, not quite that simplistic, but pretty darn close. Um, Eric, uh, created his project, wanted to put together his game. It wasn't his game. He, uh, licensed the game from a, uh, a designer who uh, has been on many different uh, has been published by many different uh, publishers and uh, had the backers raise the money and um, tended to mismanage that money just a little bit now the question we 're not going to talk about it extensively on this show, but I wanted to bring it up because i 've been asked over and over and over again is this the the tipping point is this the indication of how Kickstarter is screwed up. Is this the indication of how people can be defrauded of their money? Eric wasn't trying to defraud anybody from his money, their money. He was just, I think, incompetent in the way he managed it. Um, And no, this isn't it. This isn't causing you to suddenly not want to back Kickstarter, particularly in the board game space where the backers have become very sophisticated and kind of start to sniff out these ones that tend to uh, cause problems. And also, you're out fifty bucks or a hundred dollars that you spent a year ago. Yeah, the guy walked away with one hundred twenty-two thousand dollars that he spent on rent and and uh, video game consoles and a whole wide variety of things that he shared with people that he probably should not have even mentioned. But it doesn't mes- necessarily mean that the whole philosophy, the whole process, is flawed. It just means we have to be careful. And so, uh, no, it's not. It's not going away. It's it's not destroyed the Kickstarter community, and uh, also then to um, the folks who stepped up and picked it up. So all those backers were out the game until CryptoSoics decided to step up and actually honor the pledges that were made. They're going to cover the game. So the backers are still going to end up with a game. Uh, Eric is probably not going to be successful doing another Kickstarter project anytime soon, but uh, no, it's not a hairbringer of doom that the kickstarter process is broken so i just wanted to address that let's go ahead and talk to our guest my guest today is someone who has you know i've been doing this a long time this is like episode 150 something and i should know what i'm doing but this is our third or fourth try victoria and i i keep forgetting to hit the record button so this time the show's recording. I've invited Victoria on the show. We're going to spend some time, and I'm thrilled to have her. Victoria, thanks for joining
1: me on the show. Thank you, Richard. And they say the second or third time around, it's always better. So. It
0: is always better. This is our Let's third hope. third time around, <laughs> and I forgot to hit the record button. Let me tell my listeners. Victoria and her friend Alice have a Kickstarter project that's on Kickstarter right now called Landing Mr. Right. It is a board game. Well,
1: Victoria, why don't you tell our listeners what's your what's your project all about? Well, our project is called Landing Mr. Right, and it's a dating experience for sophisticated single women. Also, we played with married women and gay men as well, um, where you roll the die, pick your guy, and share your story. And it came out of the experiences that we ourselves had had throughout our dating careers, um, one night, uh, Alice had a horrible date and related to me. And we had been writing a blog and thinking about going and creating a book. And then we said, No, let's let's do a game. And we said, Let's see if we can put this on paper. So the next day, we met at Starbucks, and that was the first of what would become a two-year project. And we laid out the game, paper and pencil, and we had other games along with us, and um, it just came organically. And within maybe 10 hours, we devised what would become um, the first real prototype for the game. And today, it's really not that different. We've tested it and played it with over 500 women from Miami uh, to New York um, and also others, and we feel like we're at the point where it's ready to go and we've met with um, experts in the toy industry as well who gave us great initial advice and that was to make it simple. We've heard mostly along the journey that while women are enjoying going on these different dates with these six characters we've created and they are Blue Blood, CEO, rock star, Regular Guy, Techno Geek, and Triathlete. That they learn more about themselves as well as the guys they've been dating. And we kind of call it risk-free dating, which translates to landing Mr. Right being therapy in a box.
0: Yeah, I like that therapy in a box. You took a terrible experience and said, you know what? This thing was so bad. Let's make a board game so we can keep – we can figure out what we did wrong. Is that kind of how you approach that?
1: Um, yes, and also to – Share the good and the bad dates, combining the different characteristics of all these different men um and it's interesting along our journey to landing Mr. Wright, we've seen that in terms of the game, you can go further away from landing Mr. Wright, the space on the board or closer to by the dates you take the same thing happens in life, so you can have a great date with someone and end up in a, in a wonderful position um, and closer to your goal. Or uh, likewise, it might be something where, let's say, you pick a card and it's a date with the CEO. And it might say something like, he takes you to Paris on his private plane. He spends it with a computer. You spend it with the pilot. Move to French Kiss. But then when you're at French Kiss, which is a destination on the board, you're sharing your experience with your girlfriends, you're drinking wine, and the question might be something that's really provocative, like, who was the first man you French kissed, and is he now a friend on Facebook? And that's when the fun really begins, and you make all these discoveries. And for women, what we've learned in playing the game, you are discovering more and more about yourself and your girlfriends. And that's the important thing to women in playing a game. Whereas with men, we get asked, how do you win and which character am I?
0: Yeah, I got to admit, I'm looking this over. I'm looking at, uh, what character I'm a guy, what character am I? I'm looking at your, uh, your Kickstarter. I'm thinking, uh, I think I'm the techno geek now. I don't know what that means, but I'm thinking that's, that's me. But, uh,
1: I think you're a combination of techno geek and, now that I know you a little better, techno geek CEO and regular guy because you have so many beautiful daughters. That would be it. Uh, there you go.
0: Uh, that's that's flattering. Now, this is fun because this isn't the type of thing – not many t- times do you just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'll make a board game, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, then, and if I – we talked. You actually – so – most of my listeners, just so you know, um, are gamers. this is This podcast started out a couple of years ago, really focused around Kickstarter and gaming uh, board gamers. but most of them are hardcore we call alpha gamers that you know and you talk about the male male gamers who conflict oriented games, how do I win and women oftentimes are drawn into how do I Play? How do I enjoy it? How do I have strategy? How do I, you know, how do I think in this game? And and men just aren't driven that way. Most of the time, it's just how do I kill the other guy. Um, (laughs) But you had something unique. You got some coverage on Board Game Geek.
1: Yes, actually, we did. Um, I sent a proposal. Just you know, it was a pitch, just asking whether he might write a little story about us because we were covered in the toy book. We were honored to be there um as well as uh some new, a new article that's gonna come out um in adventure pub and so for us I thought well maybe we could try it and i and I pitched Techno Geek and um he actually wrote back saying we have hardcore gamers um but let me put it out there to them and and you know, let me make a mention of landing Mr. Right. So it was all in the way the pitch was was structured. Well, um that- and that has gotten us some great Publicity. Um, we've been on TV in South Florida, interviewed even before the game is produced, um, and the message was go on Kickstarter and pre-order the game.
0: But you've had a challenge because – now, first of all, you've got a couple of things here. One is, before we talk about the challenge, um, my listeners are like, Whoa, TV! How can I get on TV? And what kind of advice would you give them about uh, that, uh, pursuing that kind of angle?
1: Um, well, first and foremost, you have to have a great pitch, and our background is actually marketing and NPR. So you have to be able to get to the right people, and your message has to resonate with them. Um, So we were able to do that. Um, It's not an easy thing and I don't recommend um, hiring someone to do that. If uh, TV is generally the next step after you've gotten print obviously and it's a lot easier to get in print. But have a good pitch written and that that will really get you in. I mean really have your elevator speech down in that pitch. Um, and if you can find who that contact is, uh, get to know a little bit more about them, even LinkedIn, LinkedIn to them. LinkedIn works really well for contacts. You know, th-
0: and that's a great uh, comment because I often hear, from, uh, particularly from the gamers, that LinkedIn is so business-focused that for gamers, ah, I don't find that much value. They go over to Facebook or they go to Twitter, somewhere where it's a little bit more socially oriented. But I'm going to agree with you. The business context that you're looking for to get promotions or to get manufacturing or to make those relationships that actually help you get your project out there, that's going to come through professionals that are on LinkedIn, and that's a great piece of advice.
1: We found that actually with finding the experts in the business because we're not gamers um, and also finding someone to produce a game for us. That came from there as well. Um, so I'm delighted to use uh, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, and Twitter. Although we've used them in our professional careers when we started in gaming, um, it's a little more difficult for us because our target audience, um, in general, is a little bit older, um, and we have we have found that calling them and reaching out on email has worked better for us. But for the most part, yes. I mean, Facebook and Twitter really do work for getting the crowdsourcing. For us, it's just been a little bit different because of the nature of our game and our audience.
0: Yeah, let's our talk- audience
1: is over thirty. Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> let's let's, <laughs> let's talk about that because your you've your audience has been interested. The press has been interested. The media, the TV. Yet the challenge you have is is that the nature of crowdfunding and Kickstarter is kind of so new that it appears that you're having a – I think you were telling me you're having a challenge just giving people past the mechanics of, of giving.
1: Well, that's true. And also, we found that we had to define what Kickstarter was. We took it for granted at the at the outset that everybody knew what it was. Trust me, you would think they do, but they don't. Um, so you really have to define that Kickstarter is a creative platform for funding your project. Um, and And we've really had to – reiterate that. And then at our different fundraisers, we've had the challenge where people just want to write you a check. So it's best to have your your laptop or your iPad there to be able to take them through the process yourself. Um, and that's, that's helped us a great deal. But we didn't know that going in.
0: Right. Going in, you're just thinking, hey, everybody know Kickstarter. We're going to send this out to our friends. They're going to see it. They're going to sign up. Uh, we're going to get on TV, but it doesn't quite work that way, does it?
1: Well, one no, but one of the things we have found is like last week, um, we took the game to the beach, um, and all you know, and I, and I have um, someone I'm working with um, who has just created an energy botanical drink. And we took the drink and we, we set everything up on the beach and all these young people came over and played the game with us, which was great. So we were sort of crowdsourcing on the beach and they ended up going back home and liaising with us and actually donating. And,
0: and that's, uh, that's, a great, that's a great thing because oftentimes when it comes to games, the summer is con season. Uh, game conventions all over the country. Uh, Gen Con just ended. Uh, You've got Dragon Con that's down in Atlanta that's about to start, World Con. You've got these cons, and oftentimes game designers will take their games to these conventions. But if you've got a game like yours, sometimes just taking it out in public, right, in a public setting and allowing people just to walk up and play it sometimes can be a source of funding.
1: Absolutely. And I made cards too, business cards that actually have the front of the game on them. And I gave those out, and that was huge because they could actually see the six characters on the game, and it was great icebreakers for us. Uh, but go ahead.
0: Go, speaking of those characters, uh, you did something kind of slightly because you're not a graphic designer, right? You don't.
1: No, no, we're we're writers, some, um, but we're not designers. And so what we did was we took to Elance and we found a uh, a graphic artist who lived in Bulgaria. So we have hysterical stories because she didn't really speak English, um, but she was terrific. Um, we saved a lot of money doing it that way. Uh, but it was a bit time-consuming because we had to keep translating how we would want the characters to look and how they would be dressed. So the first incarnation of the Blue Blood, he had elfin-type Bulgarian shoes on, and we had to refer everyone to... uh the Ferragamo site.
0: The <laughs> Ferragamo for men's,
1: for men's <laughs> shoes. Now, let's
0: just—we just made an assumption, and we're going to back up just a little bit. We're going to assume that everybody knows what Elance is,
1: okay? And
0: and they, and they don't. Um, so just, let me just talk to the audience real quick. Elance, for those of you who are listening that don't know, elance.com is a site where you can go out and find skilled, capable people who are willing to do projects for a fee. So you put your project up there. In your case, uh, Victoria, you put up that you needed some graphic design or artistic work for this game, right? Right. And then what people do is that they will bid on their willingness to do that project. I used Elance to do some editing for my business book that's on Amazon. I needed an editor, so I put it up there, and uh, people bid on it. And like you said, they'll bid from all over the world and then you get to pick and it's a rating system. It's a proxy payment. You pay Elance. Elance holds the money until both parties are satisfied. And then they release the funds to the, uh, to the the person who did the work. So if you haven't used Elance for, this is what I recommend to my audience. Now I know many of you have games that you're developing. Go use Elance to write and test your rules. Quit doing it yourself It'd be a great place to go find editors and writers who are willing to write your rules, edit your rules, and uh, make sure they're clear and concise. So, and it's only—you uh, probably just paid barely any money, like a couple hundred dollars, maybe maybe a thousand dollars, right, Victoria?
1: That was it, a couple hundred dollars, and it was well worth it. Um, another thing um, too that we that we learned that we did actually write was. When we wanted to create the video, we wanted to make sure we had an experience. So we um, used David Burke's restaurant, which is very well known in the city, and um, we had 36 women playing six games at the same time, but also food being served, and it's very festive. So it, it appears to be a girls' night party that... It's just impromptu, um, and we staged it so we could have the video done, and, and we were thrilled that it came out that way.
0: Oh, that's an awesome idea. Again, uh, taking the extra step to make sure that uh, you kind of give it a better – than just sitting in front of your iPhone, sitting in, on your couch saying, please give me money. I made this game, right? <laughs> not, that, not, not that there's anything against that, but uh... – well, well we've a-
1: had everybody share that. I mean, that's been on Facebook and, and all- Twitter, and and you you get a lot of great feedback. Um, you know, for us, this is um, we feel that this is going to be the next great thing for single women in New York after the Cosmo and Sex in the City. Um, so we are at the point now where we're saying it's a mystery date for the grown up girl,
0: and that's. And- Awesome. awesome! You've identified your demographic. You're going after it. So, if uh, the Kickstarter project is going to end soon, so um, if they if they don't get to the Kickstarter project in time, where can they find the
1: project? Okay, they can go to our website. and They'll be able to purchase the game there. It's www.landingmrright.com. com.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And we also
1: have a blog, and we'll be sharing stories and. Um, hopefully we will be releasing around uh, the holidays. That's our plan.
0: Well, that'd be great. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time, even though it took us three tries. And <laughs> thank you for this opportunity. It's priceless. It is. We've had a lot of fun. I want to uh, thank Victoria. She's been a great sport as we've uh, muddled through my technical challenges today. <laughs> But uh, we've been talking to Victoria, who has a project called Landing Mr. Right. It's on Kickstarter. It's ending soon, but it's a board game therapy in a box is kind of how she refers to it. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring. I know I have. There's always good stuff that comes out of every interview that we do here on the show because I'm looking forward to you being inspired to put your project on Kickstarter so we can help you fund your dream. Thanks for listening. Take care.